This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Well, welcome, everybody. My name is Kevin, I'm one of the pastors here. And we're kicking off a new series today called Friends. And I don't think there's a thing in our lives that adds to our lives like friends. We, we know we need them. I mean, if, if Jesus, the, the perfect God incarnate, needed to have some people to walk and do life with him, we got to understand that that's what we're going to need as we do life here on earth. We're going to need some friends. We're going to need some people around us that will encourage us, that will be there when things aren't going well. We're going to need some people that, that kind of are, are on our team. And I, I think that you could say the quality of your life is almost directly connected to the quality of your friendships. We need friends. I was thinking about that this week, and I, I thought about this question. Why is friendship important? And most of the time when we entertain that question, if, if we're honest, we're, we're quite selfish. Well, friendship is important because of what they mean to me. I need somebody to hang out with, and I want somebody to go and do things with, and I need somebody that will be there when I'm down that can encourage me. But I, I want to say this about friendship as we get started. God can't use you if you're not a good friend. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to assert something right now as we get started, that most of the work that God's going to do on this earth is actually going to happen in the context of relationships. God is going to move through and realign and give us some correction and give us love, and a lot of that happens in the context of our relationships. We need the right people. I've said this before. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If we can look at your friends Right, We can see kind of the direction of your life. And some of us, we're going to see in the context of this message, you're going to see that maybe you might need some, some new friends. I, I, I think that, that as we, we look at God and the way that he has given himself to us, one of the things that we'll find is that for every area and arena of our life, God has, in our relationship with him, God has provided a template. Okay, so the Bible says that we love because he first loved us. All right, so in other words, like I learned what love was because God loved me, and because I've experienced God's love, now I know how to love other people. Because he loved me, I can love others. Today, I, I, I want to just kind of make this observation that the Holy Spirit shows us the template. It shows us the template for a healthy relationship. That's what the, the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit in our lives. As a matter of fact, if you'd go to John 14, look at this. What, look at what John 14 says. This is out of the message paraphrase. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things I have told you. The friend, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is introducing the Holy Spirit, how does he introduce the Holy Spirit? He introduces the Holy Spirit by saying, this is going to be your friend. The Holy Spirit, as he comes into your life, you're going to have a friendship. And I believe that there are a lot of ways that as we encounter 
the Holy Spirit. We, we build a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We actually come to see that there are so many ways that we have aspects of that relationship that transcends as, as examples in the way that we're supposed to be friends with others. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to show you five ways that the Holy Spirit is friends with us that really they are examples for how we're supposed to be friends with the other people, all right? Look at this. Here's the first one. The Holy Spirit is close to us. The Holy Spirit is close to us. I mean, I, I can tell you right now that there's nothing that you, there, there's some things you can sacrifice in relationships, but one thing you can't is presence. You're going to need some people to be not just for you, but with you, okay? A friend is not just for you, they are with you. And there's a difference. Jesus at one point said, there's a lot of people who are for me, but there aren't a lot of people that are with me. We need people who are with us. And I know we, we talk about um, uh, the love languages, right? So gifts and, 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 and words of affirmation and acts of service. You want to know something? Proximity is the universal love language, you can't give somebody a gift. You can't serve somebody. You can't speak into their life if you're not close to them. And I want you to see the way that the Holy Spirit relates. Look at this, John, 4, John 16, Jesus is speaking. And this is so important. He, he's, this is kind of the near the end of his ministry. And he says, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Now think about where they are. The disciples here, it's for my good that you're going to go away? But how's that? You're, we're all here because of you, Jesus. You're the one who kind of got us together. You invited us. We became your followers. Now this thing's grown. Why, why is it going to be good that you go away? Well, he answers it right in the next sentence. Look at this. It's for your good that I go away. Unless I go away, the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, he's using that word to talk about the Holy Spirit's role in our life, that he advocates on our behalf, that he is for us. And look at this. The advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. He's saying, listen, I've got somebody who's not only for you, but they're going to be with you, and it's impossible to have somebody that's for you that makes a difference if they're not with you. Some of us got the wrong idea about who God is. We have this idea that God is distant and disinterested, that God doesn't care about you. He doesn't know anything about you. He doesn't want to be involved in your life. I've had grown men with tears streaming down their face, look at me and say, I don't even know that I can pray to God. Why would God care about these things that I'm about to pray about? That's the wrong idea about God. The right idea is that God is close and He is very interested. He loves you. He knows you. He made you. He wants to be involved in your life. God knows so much about you. He knows more about you than you know about you. The Bible says that He knows how many hairs you have on your head. And for me, that ain't a lie. All right? He is close. And he is interested. And I think we need to hear this. To be a good friend. This is the application for this point. To be a good friend, you need to be close. I'm, I'm going I'm to just say this, okay? We got a lot of people in our lives that are for us, but not a lot of people who are with us. And we need some people who are with us we need to be the kind of people, I'm not just for you, but I'm with you. I was reading a report that came out this past week. It was 
uh, qualitative research on, on this growing issue of isolation and depression coming out of the pandemic era, all the, the shutdowns and the isolations. And, and it was really focused on, on middle-aged moms. And some of y'all are like, I know exactly where this is going because you've lived it. And I was reading a, a story about a, a young mom, and she was being interviewed, and she said, you know, we just moved to this area, and I'm starting to make friends, and we were starting to have some play dates, and then the, the shutdowns happened, and all of those relationships went dry, and those people went away, and I'm not really connecting with them the way that I was connecting with them. And, and, I, and I have social media, and she made this, this comment. She said, as, as I come out of the season with so much just isolation and depression, she said, I can see people's lives even though I'm not a part of their life. I want you to hear me. You can't love from a distance. You need some people who are going not just see your life, not just know the little things that you throw out on social media, but you need somebody who's going to be in your life, who's going to be there when you need somebody. We need somebody who's going to, and you need some people in your life that you're not just for them, but you're with them. When they're crying, you're crying with them. When they're cheering, you're cheering. You need that. And if you think about that, that, that friendship is built on proximity, there's something I need to tell you, and that's you can't be friends with everybody. You can't be. It's absolutely impossible. And some of us are like, I know that. That's why I'm just like, I don't want anything to do with them. Oh, just because you can't be friends, hear this. Don't swing the pendulum to the, uh, just because you can't be friends doesn't mean that you can't be friendly. Okay? There's a difference. There's a difference between being friendly and friend. And for friends, what do we learn? We learn from the Holy Spirit to be a good friend. You need to be close. You need to be close. So important. The Holy Spirit is close to us. And to be a good friend, we learn from the Holy Spirit that we need to be close to the ones that we love. Here's the second thing. Look at this. The Holy Spirit loves us. The Holy Spirit loves us. I, I want this for you so bad. I want you to have friends that love you. I want you to have friends that love you. Not with this knockoff that the world wants to sell is love. I want you to have friends that deeply, deeply love you. And you want to know what? If you look at our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we see love. Romans 5.5 5 says it's so important. Look at this. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit is how God loves us. The Holy Spirit is how God loves us, which means that we can be, I can have eternity settled. I can know, like I'm going to heaven. I trust in Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God, died for my sins. I love Him. I want to serve Him. I'm going to go to heaven. But you can be living a life where you don't experience the love of God here because you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. To be, to really experience the love of God we need a relationship. And so I can say this. You'll never experience the love of God without a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We need it. 
We need it. And there's some of us that we're like, I don't know why they're raising their hands and I don't know why they're dancing and I don't know why they can't shut up about Jesus. And the truth is, you've never experienced the love of God. Once you have, you won't shut up about it either. Now, I, I need to say this because, as I said earlier, I, I think that this world packages and sells a really cheap knockoff of love. It is not God's love. And so here, I'm going to spend some time talking about this. To be a good friend, you have to love others with the love of God. You got to love other people with the love of God. God loves you. We have been loved. And so we get to love others with the love of God. Now, it's important to recognize in this, there's a a simple observation that I want to make for you. And that's that not every relationship expresses and receives love in equal measure. Not every relationship does. Okay, I, I can open up Instagram or open up Facebook and scroll down and see people. I'm going to cut you life or cut you out of my life if, if, you don't, if you don't serve me and you don't serve my purposes and you don't spark joy and somehow you're not benefiting me. Well, that's a misunderstanding of relationships, to be perfectly honest. There are different expressions of love. I, I like to think of it as there are son, brother, and father relationships. If you're a, a, a lady, it's, it's the daughter, sister, mother. As a son, there are relationships in my life where I'm a son to a father. I have spiritual fathers. My, my dad is a phenomenal dad. I'm so blessed by him. And so when I go to that relationship as a son, I have almost nothing to give. One of my, my pastor, Dan Stahlbaum, if I call him and say, Pastor Dan, I have a question. This is going on with my family. This is going on in my life. This is going on at church. I need you to speak. I don't have anything to give him. He has a lot to give me. As a matter of fact, the only thing I have to give him is honor. That's it. So the Bible says, right, to honor your father and mother. That's all I have to give. I can honor, but I will never, ever give him what he can give me. That's a son. I'm a son in that relationship. And then there are relationships where I'm much more of a spiritual father, and I'm pouring out into them. I don't expect from my kids, I don't expect from them what I would expect from somebody that has a lot more maturity and a lot more resources. I know when I go to my kids that I'm going to pour out a lot and I'm not going to get a lot back. If you have kids, you know that because when it comes Christmas time and they come in and give you another ugly pair of socks, you get excited about it. I'm thankful for these socks. You're not sitting there going, I didn't need more socks. You're like, I know that you don't have a lot to give me. I'm not here for what you have to give me. I'm here to pour into you. And then there are brother and sister relationships and those are uh, the Bible calls them, you're equally yoked, you're, you're mutually invested. And, and in those relationships, the only way that those relationships are healthy is if we choose, when we're mutually invested, to, to give the love of God. To give the love of God. So I want to spend a few moments talking about what's the difference between worldly love and God's love. 
Okay, I, I said it's a cheap knockoff. And, and, and most of us have been brought into some kind of vague buy-in to that idea. Here, here's the first thing. What's the difference? Worldly love is selfish and God's love is sacrificial. Worldly love is all about what can you give me and God's love is all about what can I give you. I mean, think about it. You learned this in vacation Bible school, all right? That God so what? Loved the world that he what? Gave his only son. That's exactly the kind of love that God has. He said, I can't have a relationship with you unless something is made right. And the only way it's going to be made right is if the one and only that is perfect gives up his life. That's my son. I will sacrifice my son for you. God gave up everything for you. And what is the the if If you love me, you're going to give me that. If you love me... Worldly love is selfish. God's love is sacrificial. Here's another one. Worldly love is a feeling. God's love is a decision. It's a feeling. Let me just say this. If you're married, there's going to come a time you ain't going to feel it anymore. Okay? There's going to come a time that the feelings start to fade and what sticks around is the decision that you've made. And you want to know something? This world will try to teach you that your actions should follow your feelings, but the Bible tells us very clear that our feelings follow our choices. Y'all been there? I didn't want to go to the gym, but I went, and all of a sudden, I was really enjoying it. The Bible says, as Jesus teaches in the Sermon on that, that, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where I'm invested in, where my time, my talent, and my treasure go, then my feelings migrate behind my choices. Worldly love is a feeling, which is why you get 10, 20 years in, and some people go, I fell out of love, and I go, I get it, because you're loving with a worldly love that is based on feeling and not based on a choice. And hear me out, God made a choice to love you and even when it doesn't feel right God still chooses you even when you don't choose him God chooses you God made a choice and that's what love in God's terms looks like it's a choice here's another one worldly love is a contract it's a contract God's love is covenant now for some of y'all y'all don't understand the difference between those contract covenant contract is if you do this then I will do that meet me halfway Give me 50%, 50-50. We go 50-50. I've never met a wife that's be satisfied with 50% of her husband. Just give me 50% of your affection and attention and time. I mean, like, we'll cover that, what, three and a half days you come home, and the other three and a half, you do it. No, that doesn't work. It doesn't work for anybody. It doesn't work for you, but somehow you've been sold a lie that that would work. Just meet me halfway. No, that's not love. That's a contract, which is why, hear me out, which is why moving in together before getting married is a bad idea because it starts you out in the contract, not in the covenant. Covenant is all in. All of me, all of you, all that we have together for all of our life. That's the kind of promise God made you. When we do the Lord's Supper and we read out of, out of Corinthians and the Apostle Paul teaching on that, we, we say that this is a covenant made in his blood. 
He sacrificed his body to make that promise to you. That's what love looks like. And I want you to hear me. The Holy Spirit has loved you. And if we're going to have the life-giving relationships that God wants us to have, we're going to have to learn to love people with the love of God. Not this knockoff that the world is trying to sell you. Here's number three. The Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit helps us. Helps. Think about that identity. I mean, you probably got some friends that help you. You love, man, I love them friends. I got to move a couch. I can call them. They're going to show up. Right? It's, like, it's the friend who's, who's willing to serve. Look at John 14. Look at this. Jesus speaks. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, what? Helper. To be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. This is the Holy Spirit. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. We love a friend that helps. I mean, we got them on the speed dial. I'm going to move a couch this afternoon. You will come over. I can't get this TV to work. Can you help me to do that? I mean, I'm having some trouble over here. Can you give me some advice? We love a friend that helps. But are you the friend? Are you the friend that shows up to help? Are you the friend that's there when your, your friends are moving out? I, I don't have much time, but I can, I can give you an hour. I don't, I don't know what I can do today, but I'll be here from that. Well, however I can help. I want to be. Are you the friend that shows up to help? So I'm going to make a statement, and then I'll explain. I want you to look at this with me. Service in the context of mutual submission will always be a part of healthy healthy relationships. Service, okay, service is this idea that I'm going to see what you need and I'm going to take all that I have, my time, my talent, my treasure, and I'm going to work to meet that need. That's serving. Mutual submission is this idea that in a relationship there's more than one and we, we are submitted to each other. We're submitted to each other. That I am submitted to you and you are submitted to me. And this is always a part of healthy relationships. Mutual submission is a part of your relationship with God and it's a part of your relationship with other people. Can I give you two examples? Okay, here's the first one. Ephesians chapter 5 describes a godly marriage. Okay, it's actually called, the subtitle in the NIV is Rules for Christian Households. All right, and, and, and it's the passage of Scripture that if you grew up in church, that it was, it was talked about, well, wives, you've got to submit to your husbands. Wives, submit to your husbands. But do you know that in that passage, it also says that husbands, you need to be submitted to your wife. It actually starts the whole thing out by saying you should be submitted to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it goes on to describe what that mutual submission looks like. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, which means that the, the, the husband is the leader of the family, and wives, you need to submit to your husband's leadership. It's important. Go to the book of Romans. Eve is not mentioned in the book of Romans. God held Adam accountable for the, the, the everything that had happened in the garden. Why? Because he was the husband. He was the one in charge. He was the one who had the authority. And he's the one who got punished because of it. Okay? Held responsible for it. But then it says, Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. 
He was willing to give himself up for her. What does that mean? That means husbands. You, you get that, that position in your family, but you got to look at your family and go, this ain't about me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to love them the way Jesus loves us. I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to make sure that they have everything they need. I'm going to bring them to church. I'm going to make sure we pray at home. We're going to study the Bible. I'm going to make sure my kids are loved and taken care of. I'm going to lay my life down to serve my family. If you look at it, it's mutually submitted. A husband who is submitted to the needs of his family, the needs of his wife, and a wife who's submitted to the leadership of her husband this is true in our relationship with God you know that God promises that he will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory so what is so what the book of Philippians says that he will meet all your needs which means that God doesn't need your mom and daddy's money God doesn't need your bank account. God doesn't need your boss. He doesn't need the company or the organization. God has all that he will ever need to meet your needs. But if you're going to live in that promise, God is saying, I see your needs. I'm submitted to meeting your needs. But he's also saying, I'm giving you a plan to live financially. you got to be submitted to my rule and reign over your life. And there's a lot of us that are going, well, God ain't ever stepped up and showed up when I was in need. But you want to know what? You ain't been faithful to God when God blessed you. How in the world, if you're not being submitted to him, can you expect God to be submitted to you? Is he going to bless you? So you can go blow it again? No. Mutually submitted. To be a good friend, you must be willing to submit yourself to serve the needs of your friends. Oh, we, we love a friend that shows up to help. But the question, are you that friend for others? Are you willing to say, I, I know I've got a lot going on, but, but I can sacrifice a little time here. I, I know that, I know that there's a, we're a little tight financially, but I'd love to help. Are, are you that friend that shows up to help your friends? Because that's the kind of friend that the Holy Spirit is. Here's number four. The Holy Spirit convicts us. So we are, I don't like this one already. <laughs> Convic- I don't like this one. I come in this place. And all the hap- I, I'm reminded of all the stupid things I've done before. Take me back to my, my teenage years and all the bad mistakes that I'm... Listen, that's not conviction. That's condemnation. And the Bible is absolutely clear that that does not come from God. That comes from the enemy of your soul, the devil. He is trying to take you back and push you down. But conviction, right? Conviction is this idea of are are we going to identify and live in the truth? Are we going to have tough conversations? John 16 verse 8 says this about the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness, which means He's going to show you where you're making mess, where you're sinning, and of God's God's right plan for your life, and then the coming judgment. If you won't get on board with God's plan, there's judgment coming one day. Here's the thing. Conviction is a loving discipline from the Holy Spirit. 
And, and we get this in the sense that we get it with our kids. Like, don't do that. That's bothering me. I know you don't need to do that. Don't eat all the candy. Eat some fruit and vegetables. We get that. But I think that a lot of times with God, what's actually happening when he convicts us, is God is saying, listen, I saw you about to gossip, and I want you to hear me. You're better than that. That's not who you are. Oh, right now, you're about to lie about that. And I want you to know you are not a liar. That is not who I made you to be. The conviction is God God saying, you're better than that. You're better than that. This is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit guards and affirms our identity. We are children of God. And conviction is the way that the Holy Spirit says, you're better than that. John chapter 1, Jesus' best friend, John writes down this letter. It's one of the last letters to be recorded in the New Testament. And and it's a a letter where he specifically records some very interesting things about who Jesus was. And and there were already circulating gospels. They they had been around for for decades at this point. But but when John writes, in John chapter 1, he's reflecting on the coming of Jesus. And he says two times in the first chapter that Jesus came filled with truth and grace. Filled with truth and grace. And, and I think that we don't, we don't often do well with that. We, we tend to be uh, a truth people or grace people. And, and while we often mean well, we don't do well. There's some of us, we're, we're truth people. And here's the thing, truth without grace is mean. It's mean. And, and there's some people who go, well, listen, I'm just, I'm just keeping it real. I'm telling people how it is. Listen, people don't like me because I'm, I'm just honest. I'm just going to tell you how, this is how I see it. And you want to know what? That's not, that is not helpful. As a matter of fact, you're just making excuses for being mean. Because that's all it is. Truth without grace is mean. It's mean. But then there's some of us that we're grace people. And we know, you know your kid got home at 1 a.m. And you know you told him to get home at 11. And you're sitting there going, well, I'm not going to have a conversation. I don't want to get into it. Just forgive them. You know, we'll just, grace covers the multitude. And here's the thing. Grace without truth is meaningless. It's meaningless. All you're doing is enabling. Grace without truth is enabling. It's meaningless. It's meaningless. I mean, there's stuff going on in our souls. There's stuff that somebody needs to tell you that you don't want to hear. And there's some stuff you need to say that somebody else might not want to. And it's truth. And grace, truth and love and, and grace this have to be a big part of it. And I love how Chris Hodges, pastor of Church in the Highlands, was teaching on this. And he said, truth and grace are good medicine for the soul. They're good medicine. We need truth and grace. You know, sometimes the most loving thing you can do is have a hard conversation. You don't know why it's the most loving thing you can do? Because it's not going to go well. I mean, you know, all right, I'm about, I, I, I feel like I need to talk to some. I see you. I see you self-sabotaging your life. I love you. You know, you don't have permission to say stuff just because it's truthful. It's got to be truth and love. 
But I can't understand how you can see somebody wrecking their life and not have a conversation about it. And you know how it's going to go? You already do. They're going to get mad. They're going to spin off. They're going to yell. They might cut you out of their life. They might not talk to you again. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do is have a hard conversation. And I want, you, I want you to be the kind of people that have those. But I'm also saying this because there's going to be somebody that one day has the courage to sit you down and have a conversation with you. And when they do, I want you to know that they're there not because they're trying to point out your flaws, but because they love you. And here's what you need to do. When that conversation starts, shut up. And listen. Because if somebody's got the, the courage to actually come before you in truth and love and have a hard conversation with you, you need to receive. You, everything they say might not be true. But you need to have the courage to receive what God can do in a moment there's some things that need to be said to us that only a friend can say. A friend that knows us, loves us, and speaks the truth with grace. To be a good friend, you've got to allow your friendships to be filled with grace and truth. And this last one, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say this. If this can drop into your soul today, if you can get what I'm about to say, it'll radically transform your relationships. It could change the course of your parenting. It could redefine the dynamic of your relationship with your spouse. Number five, the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. And y'all are going, I'm a little underwhelmed right now, Kevin. <laughs> like, that's it. That's all you got. This is the thing that's going to change everything. Can I just say this for you? What you need some friendships that are filled with faith. You need some people around you that got a prayer life, that got a devotional life that you want, but you don't have right now. You need some people around you who've been walking with Jesus longer than you've been walking with Jesus. And you want to know what most of us do? We get around people like that, we get convicted, and we push them away. You need some people in your life that got a faith that you don't have yet. You need people around you that point you to Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Look at this, John 15. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. What's He going to do? He will bear witness about me. The Holy Spirit is going to point us to Jesus. Now, we're 2,000 years post-ascension. Jesus went to the Father. We're literally thousands of years later around the globe, millions and millions and millions of believers. And around the world, as the Holy Spirit indwells and influences believers, does He ever draw attention to Himself? 
Does he ever point at himself and say, look at all? No, he is constantly elevating and pointing people to Jesus Christ. That is his role in our lives. And i got to ask you this. How are you using your influence in people's lives? How are you using it? If you think about, if we scrolled through your social media and your text messages and your bank account and your YouTube history, what is your life pointing people to? This is what I I like to call it the, the art of redirection. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Pointing people to Jesus. Now i got a daughter who's 10. We made a rule. She cannot have a boyfriend until she's 27. <laughs> but I know there's coming a day that she's going to come home. And there's going to be those big old crocodile tears in her eyes. Because some boy that she liked and trusted broke her heart. You want to know what all of us do in that moment? Here's what we do. Baby, I love you. You're amazing. You're beautiful. They're stupid. I'm going to go beat them up after we get done praying. But you're amazing. You're amazing. And and you know what? There's another boy someday, and they're going to, you know what? What if you did something different? What if you came in and said, I knew it was going to happen. Because I know every boy you ever try to love from now until the time you get to heaven is going to leave you disappointed because they will never love you perfectly. And you want to know what? This is why I want you to love Jesus. Because it's His love that will be a foundation for you for here on out. He's the only one that will love you perfectly. He's the only one that will never break your heart. I don't want you to go through this, but I want you to know that Jesus will love you in a way that no person can. I've had my wife come in and look at me in the eyes just crying, knowing she is carrying a weight that I have. I will never understand it. Things that have happened and stuff she's been through. And you want to know what? My, my tendency is I want to solve that problem. Can I give you some advice? Can I, can I help you? Just listen to me and I'll, get, I'll give you the three steps to get out of what you're going through right now. But you know what I've, I've been learning? Is my wife does not need me to be her Savior. Jesus is already her Savior. I don't have to save her. All I got to do is point her to Jesus. Baby, I'm so sorry. I hate you went through that today. Have you been to Jesus in prayer over it? Have you laid it down at his feet? Have you left it there? Because here's the thing. I love you. I'll pray with you. But I'm not the one that can save you from it. He can. And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to do friendship with people, there's going to be times that they call you into some situations that this world is not made for. 
And if you've got that thing in you that I want to save people, I want to be all that they need, listen, you don't have to be all that they need. Jesus is already all that they need. And all you got to do is say, listen, I know your marriage is tough, but Jesus is the answer to it. I know that financially things are not okay, but here's the thing. God is going to take care of you. I know that for me, but you got to get on your face. you got to get in front of Jesus. you got to get right with Him because it's only with Him that your answer and your hope comes. We gotta be people who point people to Jesus. A good friend will point you to Jesus. And I don't know about you. I wanna be that kind of friend, but I need that kind of friend. So think about your life for a moment. You. If people look at your life, what are you pointing them to? If we scroll back through, your emails and text messages and social media posts. We look at your bank account. What are you pointing people to? I was studying for this message and and I reread this verse. It's one of the very last things that Jesus says before he goes to heaven. It's recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says this, look at this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. Now we look at this verse and we often talk about the power, which is a phenomenal proverb. Just what a wonderful promise that God gives us. I'm weak. God promises me strength. But what is the reason for that power? Why is Jesus saying, listen, there's there's a power coming to you that is bigger than what you alone can do. There is something that you tap into when you have a relationship with God that is bigger than you. What's the purpose of it? And he makes it clear, you will be my witnesses into the rest of the world. That's the point of the power is that you will become a witness to Jesus. That your life will be pointing people to Jesus. But hear me out. There are a lot of people who no longer want to be a witness. They just simply want to be witnessed. I want people to look at me and see how amazing I am and how strong I am. I want you to think that I'm the best mom, the best dad, the best employee. They want to be witnessed and not be a witness. But the promise of the Holy Spirit is an invitation that we can live a life that when people are standing back, they're going, I don't know how they're doing that. I watched them walk through a season that nobody nobody else can imagine, but somehow they're still pointing people to Jesus. They lost a kid and they somehow just, we all need to know that we need God because he's, he's our comfort in a time of mourning. They lost their job. And God's going to provide and God's going to take. They just walked through difficult moment after difficult moment and they pointed people to God. I want you to know that that's exactly what God wants for you. First, people take a step back and look over your life for you to point people to God. What's your life?
pointing people to? Do you want to be witnessed more than you want to be a witness? Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.